Listener Production. Hello and welcome to Willow Talk. Great to be with you once more. Adam Peacock with Brad Haddon. How are you, Hads? Mate, well, you've been everywhere and how exciting was the other night? It was pretty good. It was pretty oh, good. Pretty good. <laughs> what about the noise yeah. when Kerr came on? I- explain that to us. You were on the ground. How was that moment when she started to warm up? It was as good as any goal I'd heard in, in previous games. And then late in the game, there was another roar. And then that was just little entrees to what would happen in the penalty shootout. And when Courtney Vine put home her penalty with the 20th penalty, I think it was, of the penalty shootout, and everyone celebrated, that was unthinkable noise, incomprehensible noise. It was just incredible. Absolutely incredible. We're going to bring our guest in today as well because we will talk a little bit about Matildas at the top, but mainly about the art of bat making, which has, from what I can understand with cricket and playing it as a junior and everything like that, everyone froths over a bat and how it's made and what goes into it and what's good and, yeah, everything about it. And it's an art. And master bat maker Josh Gavin of JP Gavin Cricket Equipment joins us right now. Josh, how are you, mate? Cheers. Yeah, it's good to uh, come on and talk about cricket bats for a little bit. You're the J and the P in JP Gavin as well. That's, That's your middle right. name. Yep, yep. It's named after me. Thought long and hard about that one, did you? <laughs> yep, yep. I was, uh, started when I was 16, so I didn't oh, really wow. uh, have the marketing experience. Uh, just sat down and uh, put my name on a you cricket You know what, bat. though? It's a bloody good name because it stands out and yeah. it, the, the labels look great and everything. Before we get into everything bat making and, you know, Willow Talk, where were you watching uh, the Matildas? I was on the couch at home. I was uh, on the uh, edge of my seat and uh, up and down through that penalty shootout, for sure. My partner was there sitting watching with me, but uh, she's not much of a sports person, so... But it draw sort of... her in? No. Nah, what? Nah, not at all. She was on her phone. Oh, she's the only person in Australia. Yeah, scrolling through her phone and then would look up at me as I'm, like, jumping up and down and running around the room, so... Oh, um, that's uh, weird. Uh, she's American, so. Uh, oh, that, un- okay. I understand. I understand. I understand. Hads, where were you, by the way? I was at home. We had a couple of friends um, over. I was a couple of bottles of Woodford Reserve Deep. <laughs> a couple of bottles? <laughs> it, yeah, was it was a long game. Yeah. Mate, it was a long game. It was <laughs> three and a half hours. We sitting there watching a bottle of red. But I tell you what, when the the final moment was done, mm. my house went nuts. Not, not just the kids. There was eight to ten adults there. Everyone's out of their chair. You could hear the yelling, though, from the three houses. Oh, really? Everyone was on their balcony. It was like, yes, we've seen big events, like you watch Origin now, your your World Cup events, cricket or rugby, but this was like nothing I'd ever seen. I I had mates who loved their sport, but he went to a new level with the Mm. excitement. And social media is dangerous because what I didn't know is my daughter and her friend had set the phone up in front of the TV. <laughs> so they they got all the high fives and things. So I'm doing my best to keep that away from a TikToky or <laughs> Instagram or, or whatever she uh, whatever they put on. But um, mate, everyone will remember where they were. Yeah, absolutely. It was one of those moments. One of those moments, absolutely, apart from Josh's missus who was halfway <laughs> through a scroll. <laughs> How big are the next two games going to be? Oh, no. Yeah. Crazy. So that's a quarterfinal. Imagine if those, those same two things happen in the next two games. So extraordinary moment in the history of Australian sport, Australia, full stop, and, and hopefully more Well, you're the expert and you're you're mm. on ground. Yeah. Have you ever seen anything like this in football before? <laughs> Not in football, experiencing it. And it's a different realm because I'm actually working, so I have to actually concentrate, if you can call it work. I know that's it's not a, work. Yeah, it's not work. But you actually have to concentrate and soak things in. If I'm in the crowd, 
Oh, yeah. Like, I remember 2018, vaguely, of the, <laughs> the World Cup when we scored a goal in yeah. a World Cup. Didn't mean anything in the grand scheme. You yeah. go off your nut. You go berserk. You're with me, a bottle of Woodford Reserve in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I didn't even need the bottle <laughs> over there. It was just crazy. So I can't imagine what I would have been like if I was not with a suit and tie and the accreditation on the other night. So, yeah, more to come. Old enemy. 100%. We'll, um, even if we draw and get through on penalties, I'm sure the English will find a way with the basketball rules to um, overturn the result and so that they, they won get and they got through. Yeah, I know. Oh. <laughs> Change the shape of the ball halfway through. Can we yeah. start that again? Or yeah. <laughs> deep, sorry, deep breath, Dad. Deep breath. Uh, the two teams won't have a drink <laughs> after it and, yeah, the one will go to a nightclub and one won't. Anyway, hey, you're with Willow Talk today. Yes, this is a cricket podcast and we're going to focus it back on the cricket right now. Uh, remember to follow us on TikTok or whatever has just called it uh, and Instagram at Willow Talk Podcast. We'll do another Q&A in the next couple of weeks, I think. That was wildly successful <laughs> and still <laughs> laughing. I'm still hurt. I'm still bleeding. <laughs> Forward up, Ed. <laughs> Walking out with a bat. Anyway, go and check that out if, if you want. And, uh, yeah, we'll do another Q&A and send us a DM about uh, any questions you have for Hads in particular or myself or anything else in the world of cricket. And thanks for listening on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Leave a review. That would be great as well. And with Josh, we're going to hear about how he became literally from a garden shed, yep. one of the most respected bat makers in the game, what goes into making a bat, the star clients, the do's and don'ts when buying a bat because it's almost that time of year if you need a new bat before the summer to get out there and get one and I dare say that uh, Josh can give his little start up over here a little uh, plug as well to go out and get a JP Gavin but mate we'll start at the beginning how did it start why did you start making bats uh, it was just a passion for cricket honestly it was a bit of a hobby to start with um, started when I was 16 went uh, on a trip to India visited a few factories I actually went with my mum and uh, she said, 50% for me, 50% for you. So 50% bat factories and 50% just walking around the temples and uh, doing all the touristy oh, she stuff. She went 75, 25. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, well, we have some uh, nice photos of bat factories. <laughs> um, but that's so, a huge call. Like, so you're literally in high school going, yeah. this is what I want to do with my life and this I'm going to invest in it by going over there and researching. Yeah, it was. it's funny. It's It was a hobby, honestly, to start with. And, you know, I was... For the first few years, I was working other jobs. I was coaching. I was doing other things, and it was just on the on the back burner. I was just doing it in my spare time. Like I get home from work and start my business at uh, six p.m. and work till like ten or twelve. What was or work? What was actual work? Through the uh, day? I, I worked at another sports store and I did coaching as well. So yeah. around cricket. And what club, by the way? Give the club a plug that you grew up with. And- uh, I played at East and, and yep. uh, then UNSW. So a little bit of coaching around there, and I worked with a company called Pro Performance Cricket, and uh, they work out of the eastern suburbs. Um, Fair enough. Hey, Hads, when you were in India last, I remember you, you put up that great clip of you and your son going to a, a bat factory over there. Just give the listeners an idea how many of these are around India and how big that industry is over there. Well, I'll, I'll give the listeners a really good idea. If you're looking for a present for a kid from 16 down, take them to a bat factory and let them watch a bat get made. And what's it, you say the bat takes about 90 minutes? We can do it in, yeah, 60 to 90 minutes. Well, I, I took Zach and we mm. spoke about this before. He, he picked his own clef out. He, he's, they're saying, oh, these are the knots you're looking for. This is where the grain. And, and it was his greatest day of his life. <laughs> greatest day of his life. Like you normally go to Kingsgrove Sport, pick your bat out. Yes, I'll have the, the kookaburra, uh, the kookaburra bubble or the kookaburra mm. kahuna, whatever one um, you want to take. But he had the opportunity to go from start to finish mm. and it was the greatest day of his life. And they put it on their socials, mm. remember? It's at 3.1 million hits. <laughs> really? <laughs> and, mate, he's the happiest man alive. He, he watched 
his bat made from start to finish. And that's what you give. You give the guys Absolutely. an opportunity to come in and explain what they want and you'll make it right in front of them. Yeah, we work We work with lots of different people to actually work out what's going to be best for them. So, so a lot of people have something in mind that they come to and, you know, they're dreaming of this, like, magical cricket bat that they're going to get made. Some people don't quite know. Some people will come and say, you know, what's going to work for me? And we'll go through a list of questions and I'll work it out. So Ben Duckett came to you and said, mate, I get the outside edge a lot. <laughs> so what would you say to him? Um, coaching. <laughs> <laughs> he hits him hard though. He probably doesn't need it. Yeah. Hey, Josh, take us for the uninitiated, how it gets to a freestanding thing that's growing out of the earth, namely a tree, to what we've got right here in the studio with two blades in front of us, a, a well-crafted bat. Yeah, so, yeah, it's English willow. So obviously um, English willow grown in England, that tree grows for somewhere between 12 and 20 years depending on how uh, how long it grows for and uh, how big the tree needs to get to and then mm. obviously gets cut down. You actually see the grains on the front of the bat. That signifies a winter where it didn't grow as fast. So as it condenses, there's a line on the on the face of the bat. That's one year of growth. So for every grain that's on the front of a cricket bat, that's a year that that tree is grown for. So, Adam, do you want to have a look at that one there? Yes. How many do you want to count? So this Probably is too long to count for. This is an Elise Perry um, mm-hmm. special. So it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I'm going dizzy. Eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. I'm glad 12. you can count. Yeah. So twelve years of growth. Yeah, and uh, the, the the clefts are a little bit wider when they're when they're first sure. cut. So maybe fifteen to twenty years for that one yep. to, to actually grow. And is there's a series about two tone wood. What's the best number of grains to have on your bat? If the bats are closer together, it's from the middle of the tree. Obviously, now you've explained it's, it's older. What's the perfect scenario? Is it 10 grains? Is it two-tone wood? What, what's the perfect scenario? Is it not in the middle of it? Honestly, to me, it, it, I, I tend to actually not look at the grain too much. I tend to tap it and, and test for performance. And I think you can get lost in how many grains and two-tone and, and all that stuff. I think in general, you get better bats with more grains. But it's only a generalization. You have to test it. And um, I actually find that the lightest pieces of wood are the best ones. So you get a little bit more size, you get more power because with lighter wood, you get bigger bats. And that leads to more power and um, more runs, hopefully. So, again, so English willow, it's pulled out of the ground there, mm. cut up. It, what, what, do you go down to the wharf and pick up the thing or it gets delivered to your house? You've got these big. Chunks of wood rocking we, up. We import joint. clefts, which are basically sawn down trees. Okay. So part of the yep. trees is cut down into rounds and then into clefts. And and we take a, a willow cleft, put it through different processes, including pressing, putting a new handle in, because the handle's actually different wood to the English willow that's in the in the bat in the blade. The handle's made of cane with uh, cork or rubber through the handles. Mm. That absorbs a lot of shock, and it if it was just one piece, it would just snap. So. Um, it needs a little bit of flex. Hads, did you like flex in your handles? Only if I was baiting at the back. This is going to get weird. Uh, only yeah. if I was at the back end of a one-dayer. Mm. Um, I had a bat that had um, a bit more bigger down the bottom because yeah. that would be bowling Yorkers and a bit more flex mm. um, in my handle. So there. you changed your bat? Yeah, through. you did. In different conditions. You'd have a different bat for, uh, say, the back end of a subcontinent game uh, in India or if you're playing a test match. At the wacky, you might have a lighter bat with a, a bit higher middle be, because of the bounce. But what I'm curious about, the the bat's style and shapes change a lot over years. Guys now want a lot, a lot fuller shape at the back, squarer toe, 
Um, have you noticed that change over when you started from year one to, to year 10? Yeah, absolutely. Square toe is probably a big modern trend over the last 10 years for sure. And people are looking for the, the biggest and lightest, fullest possible shape. If you look at the, uh, the shape of the bats, to get weight out, you used to have to concave it. So through here, you put a scoop through the, the sides of the bat at the back. Now you have them completely flat so that you can get as much power as possible and try to get the edges as big as possible. You laugh at this. Hmm. I like mine full at the back, and and he's one of mine that I used throughout my career. So you're talking about how it's full at the back. Yeah. If I got it concaved out, as you said, I just put it away. Mm, it really? played with my head. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I couldn't play with it. And some, bat- but even if it wasn't, you'd have that perception that oh, this. Yep. And you'd have bats the same. You go, it, it's perfectly normal. Yep. But in your head, for some yep. reason, you've seen something. So if I looked down, and it was caved out. I'd give that to the tailenders. I'd say, no, no, I can't use that. Because I, I remember when I was playing as a kid, one of the biggest selling bats was the kookaburra, but it was the really thin, and it was so thin. Super legend? Yeah, I can't remember what it was called, but like it had a, like a paper-thin edge. And now you look at the edges, and now you look at how the bats are made, and it's, it's just changed. The regulation around. So just let people know what the specs you have to – the, the minimum specs of a bat that you have to... You have well, there's to a maximum to. spec. Uh, Max they spec, basically yeah. have a... Uh, the umpires will have a gauge, which is a plastic mould that the bats have to fit through. So the gauge has a 5 millimeter give in the front for a curved face. 40 millimeter edges is the biggest possible and 67 at the, the biggest part of the bat in the middle. So if you get a bat that's a little bit too big and we had some issues when... The rules first came in and we made some player bats and they got tested. And When did those rules come in? Maybe five years ago, five years or did so. Did they reset them or something, did they? Or um, they just Basically, the only rule was the width of the bat. You couldn't have it any wider than 108 millimetres. Okay. But they brought in, because the bats were getting so light and so big, I think maybe David Warner changed that yeah. for After 2015. Ruined everyone's fun. The kaboom or whatever it was called, yeah, was it? Yeah, the kaboom. But I tell you, one of the most exciting things as a cricketer is to go to India. Yeah. Because that's where all the bats are from. So you, you turn up to Delhi. Apart and from Josh. Well, obviously Josh <laughs> went to India to learn his craft. Yeah. Then So all your bats turn up, you get five or six bats getting ready for the test series. And we just arrived in India for a test series. And, and, and cricketers are, are a weird bunch, mate. We're weird at the best of times. So when it comes to cricket bats, we're very territorial. Yeah. Anyway, we've got punners got six, Hussey's got six, I've got six, all the Kookaburra boys have got it. We're batting in the nets and Punner goes, something doesn't feel right here. Mm. Something's not right. Anyway, they've sent us our bats, made in India, getting ready for the test series. They weren't wide enough. They no. made the cricket bats not <laughs> wide enough. And we're all looking down thinking, that's why I was playing and missing so much. But <laughs> when it was spinning and going, uh, hitting me in the inside leg. But it would have been light. Uh, well, it was interesting because you look down and something wasn't right and Punner hit two, he goes, they're not wide enough. How far? <laughs> Uh, by how far? Enough. Uh, enough to no, say. No, but what's enough? Like, because you guys are so in tune with your equipment. Are we talking a millimetre here or no. two millimetres? It's a couple of mil. It can be, it can be like somewhere yeah. between two and, and four. And you know, because you're so in tune with what your piece of equipment looks like. And so we're all looking at our bats thinking, oh, it might be that, and they're not quite sitting right. So we got the gauge out. They um, sent them all back. They do it on purpose? I think they did. Yeah. No doubt, in the world. no <laughs> doubt in the world. Have you ever had, like, obviously you're handcrafted, so you're going to have margin. How do you keep that margin? There's a little bit of margin, m- but it's not, you know, two to four mil. It, that usually is on purpose. It's a modern way yeah, to get, <laughs> it's a modern way to get the edges bigger. 
um, and to get a little bit of weight out. I definitely try to stay away from it as much as possible because obviously you have less hitting area. Um, you want as much width as you can on the bat. So it is a little bit of a trick to get the weight down. Well, one of the, the as a father now, what I want to know is you don't oil and knock your bat in now, do you? Back in my day, yeah. when I first got the bat, my old man, he was filthy at me. He said, oh, I've got to knock this bat in. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just want to use it. So he sat up all night. Ball in the sock? <laughs> he had a ball in his hand. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't tell him about the sock or the, uh, the ball that came on the sticks. So he just bang, 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 knocking in. And by the time it finished, he turned up. I, I was playing with it and another father was watching the game, knocking his son's bat in with the ball in the stick. He goes, well, that's a smart idea. He goes, oh, yeah, you just go to the sports store and, and buy it and you knock the bat in. My old man knocked my bat in, holding the ball in his hand. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't that popular. <laughs> Not a great uh, thing for his yeah. his arm tendon. Just on, from my point of view, what I do is journalism. I cringe at the thought of looking at back at my first ever, you know, practice tape on air. It exists somewhere, but I don't want to know where it is and I hope it's never sees the light it, of day. You got it loaded. <laughs> there we go. The first ever bat you made, where is it? What happened to it? Yeah, I've still got it. It actually came out pretty good. As good as one of these puppies right here? Not quite. Not quite. I've had 10 years of practice. But, yeah, I was going to say. But I've still got it for sure. And uh, the story with that was that I, I bought one that was sort of half made mm. and I made it from there and then I used it the next day. No knocking in. I just, yeah. You meant, I still recommend knocking in, but um, we actually have a, a machine now that knocks in bats that sits there, there and sits there for half Better an hour. Mr. Haddon. Um, just on that. Leading on from that, mm. the evolution of what you do and, and how you changed what you do and taking on trends from are, are there any trends in the last 10 years that have really evolved that you've taken on board or ignored? Yeah, I think the, the main trend is just trying to get them as big and light as possible. And that hasn't changed. It's sort of gone backwards a little bit with that gauge and the rules. But yeah, there's some trends um, to shorten the blade to get a little bit of weight out. So taking a little bit through the shoulders. So if you took the shoulders down a little bit, you save a little bit of weight and you get mm-hmm. to put that in the middle. So maybe one that gets caught at mid-on goes over the fence potentially. So that's one of them. But we, we work with each client to be very different. I, I wouldn't say that we make very similar bats for, for everyone. It's yep. Someone will come in and we will customise and talk about what will work for them. So you don't have conditions. a range. You don't like have a range of five or six and it's there. there's what you have to operate with whoever wants to buy it. You, th- you are literally. I think there are enough brands that do that and yep. to be different, we want to be able to make anything. We'll, we'll suggest stuff and we have bats made in the shop that people can look at and we can discuss, you know, high middle, lower middles, like what's going to work. Different weights. We, all, we definitely have that around the shop to try out, but there's nothing like feeling a bat as it's being made to make sure it's perfect. I can sort of shape up a bat to about 90%, give it to a person, go, it's a bottom heavy, is it feeling good for you? They go, oh, it's pretty close, but just a little bit more. So they give it back, I'll take a little bit more off and we sort mm. of do it that way, just nudging it down to what's perfect. Yeah. And the the lasting of a bat, like how long do you expect a, a men's bat to last? They're quite expensive these days, bat repairs. And if you get a good one, you don't want to let go of it. So mm. you, you get a lot of people coming in saying, can you fill the middle up? Can you fix this up? Yeah, we do a lot of repairs, especially, you know, we do it for, for all levels of cricket. So C Smith all the way down to your, your junior players will we'll fix bats. But we guarantee them for 12 months. Most last that 12 months, but depends on how you look after it, if you knocked it in properly. There's also like moisture control in the wood. If you don't oil it, 
moisture can come out of the wood and actually sort of dry out the wood and, and it, it'll crack a little bit easier. Yeah. So you just got to sort of maintain and sort of look after it. I remember my old man. All your bat. All your, you got all your bat. Every six, once every six months. Roll it on the bath. All your bat. Didn't do that. Or That's have a, a bath with it. That's definitely a thing. Hads, did you ever have a bat talking of like, you know, particulars of, of professionals as well? We'll get to some of the professionals in a moment, but did you ever have a bat that you literally, when it went, it was like, the death of a pet. Yeah. It was like, oh no, yeah, what am I going to do? A child. <laughs> it, it was like you <laughs> have your ba- you'd have your your bat. I, I remember in the 2012-13 World Cup. Mm. Uh, sorry, that the Ashes. I, I had an unbelievable kookaburra bubble retro, and, and it was flying. Anyway, I blew the middle out of it. And what, I, in I took, a game, or yeah, in I could, you know when you you flick on it, and you can feel the surface. Is, yeah, is, yeah, is lift up. I knew it was hollow underneath it. And, and, and I went to Kookaburra and said, listen, they said it's gone. I said, no, it's not. <laughs> it, it's not gone. You're a um, psych. Yeah. I said, I've just got to get another innings out of it. Yeah. Anyway, they taped it up, filled it up a bit and, and it went during that innings and I took it back in and I said, I've just got to get one more innings <laughs> out of it. You, you don't want to let it go. But you, you would have also had some interest in bat repairs, I, I reckon. I, I got a um, message from someone who's got had a bad temper when it comes to cricket. I'll read this message can you drop the you. name if possible? I, I will. See if you can pick who it is. I just finished listening to today's episode of Willow Talk and knowing blank, as I do, you only have to ask him about his younger days playing backyard cricket or garage cricket and how he used to blow up. <laughs> um, the whole neighbourhood would hear him going off. He threw his bat and was gone quicker than the roadrunner could say beep, beep. <laughs> And Sam knows who this is from. Who, who's this from, Sam? This is from a loyal listener. Uh, Mark, is it, Hads? Mark. You know any Marks? Yeah, I do, stepbrother. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> He's all over you. He, 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 he said Adam had a horrible temper and the bats sometimes would fly to the neighbour's it just, house. Oh, it somehow just wanted to go somewhere else. It, it was sick of me. <laughs> just, just wanted to fly. <laughs> so do you ever get bats that come in and he goes, oh, it must have got ruined in my bag, and you look at it and go, mate, this has gone down <laughs> the toilet. I've actually got the all-time story on this one. We, we made a bat for uh, a mate's dad, mm-hmm. and uh, it, was, it was for his 60th. Made it like in, in the shop, special, did the whole 90 minutes, blah, blah. About a week goes by after he's he's taken it home. He's gone about his knocking in process in, a, in an interesting way. He, he started during his 60th birthday celebrations um, at home, a few brandies, and he, he forgot how to knock in the bat. So he'd started on the front and then he'd worked his way to the sides. He worked his way to the back. And he's he's knocked in the shoulders, the back, the bottom of the bat. The handle. And he brought it back after a week and went, Josh, I stuffed it. Can you make me another one? Sure. <laughs> sure, no problem. <laughs> I, I but d- he completely ruined it. And um, it wasn't a two-for-one deal either. Absolutely not. No, no. He's yeah, good. I, <laughs> good. Got two 60th birthday presents. Full freight too. Mate, I good. played with some of the, the greats of the game. And when I started my career with New South Wales, we had an opener who, who I thought changed the way opening batsmen were played. It's not Triple M's own Mark Taylor, but he might have been at the other end to Mark Taylor for a lot of his career. And... I remember playing a game at the SCG at the back end of his career and he got a bad decision and he was an opener, obviously, as, a, as I've said, and I, I'm getting ready. I'm batting at number six and I've walked in to put my sunscreen on and he's got his bat, his pads, his gloves in the toilet 
<laughs> and was trying to flush them. It didn't work. It obviously the, it, it clogged, so the, the bat was good width. But uh, Michael Slater did this occasionally, yeah, didn't he? he? Did. Yeah. Now and then he did it. <laughs> but uh, that well, there's was a inter- famous photo in one of Steve yeah. Waugh's books yeah. in India, I think it was. Yeah. He was so disgusted with himself. <laughs> there it is, wedged in some yeah. portal loose somewhere. Mate, I've seen bats hurl across the room, get stuck <laughs> into the top of roofs. Others be thrown into ice baths. Um, we had, we had a bloke who who snicked off early and. Ben Duckett? He, as, not Ben Duckett. <laughs> um, as he walked off, he's taking off his, his grip and we go, oh, God, here we go. And you see him un- unravelling the binding on the handle as he's walking off the field. Oh, really? <laughs> and the, the change rooms were a fair way away, but we heard this thing. And he, I don't know where it was wedged. I heard it was the toilet, but he managed to snap his handle clean off, just like launching it in rage, just wedged it in something and unbelievable that he's, he's walked off taking the grip off, taking the binding off, and then gone and wedged it and snapped his hand. Like, if I did that and Zach Haddon and Hugo Haddon, if you ever throw your bat, <laughs> it'll be the last game of cricket. I, I, Three I gloves. Would, I, I would never, ever throw a piece of cricket bat, bat or any, or my old man and say, you're, you're done. Mine was only a backyard bat. But it yours went to, proper one. You, you, you're in 62. It, it went to 83. <laughs> Across the road Across as well. Across the road. As, <laughs> who are, uh, speaking of role models, who are some of the fine ambassadors that use um, your bats? Elise Perry is our, our biggest ambassador. We actually came up with um, a range together. So a nice little collaboration with Pez. Um, it's called Staple. So staple range, bats, pads, gloves, and a kit bag as well. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit sized down. We we've sort of seen that in the market, if if pads and gloves and bats are sized down, they send, tend to go down in quality. So mm. we wanted to keep the quality really, really high and size it down. Obviously, Pez was using youth pads and gloves, but she was 30. So youth mm. doesn't sort of work. So we actually renamed it adults as well. Um, so she's using adult pads and gloves. Um so you've branched into that as well, have you? Yeah, correct. So we've got the pads here. Yep. Have a look at them. So as this one's uh, the ones had has there, it's uh, a little bit smaller compared to a yeah. traditional pad. What different? Just less surface area that needs to be protected on on uh, the legs and mm. um, just keeping the protection nice and high so it can be still used at test level. And, and Pez got a 99 in the, in the test match in the Ashes uh, with, with said pads. Didn't, um, didn't get LB, did she? No, she got no. caught at gully. Okay, that's um, right. Trying to play a shot and, right off the middle. But it was right off the middle and uh, another day that goes through the hands, 100. But um, You don't make these great. in the back shed, do you? We, well? do, we don't make our softs. They, they come from India. Yeah. We work with a, a supplier there and actually very intricately detailed, to, especially the staple ones. We worked really hard with Elise to make them look really cool. Yeah, um, they are. As you said, cricket gear is a little bit daggy at times and we tried to make them look really nice. Mm. You know the interesting thing about, yes, okay, we've got two nice sets of pads here, but it's a big deal. I, I played with a lot of guys that wore youth pads in test cricket. I wore youth pads. Uh, a lot of batsmen wear small men's pads, youth gloves. Easy to run in or? Well, they just fitted a, yeah. a lot better. Um, like David Warner, if you if you look at his pads, that they would be youth pads. Mm. Uh, a lot of the the main batsmen have small men's gloves. I remember Ricky Ponting when, when gloves came out, you had your, your glove on top and – that bit of sponge in between your fingers and, and the actual glove, he took that out. Oh, really? He, he thought when you hit, mm. it moved with the padding underneath. So he took the padding out from underneath the glove. So when it mm. hit, uh, it didn't move. So there, there was a lot of 
there's a lot of theories that go into to different equipment. But yeah, my, all my pads were youth. My gloves were mm. small men's. Is it hard? Like obviously you're going up against Kookaburra, hundred years of of history. Grey Nick, I'm sure the same, and and the, some of the other big bat makers, especially out of India as well. Huge brands, huge marketing um, behind them as well. Is it hard for that? Do you need someone like Elise Perry to to really kick you along to to get you out there? This has been great, honestly. Absolutely amazing for us and our, our reputation. I think mm. that's that's the one thing I want to build, a reputation. And having literally the best player ever, pretty yeah. much, averages 80 in test cricket, bowls the house down, absolutely killed it for the last 10, 15 years. Scored a goal in a World Cup quarterfinal. Yeah. The last Matildas player still to score a goal. Good point. Yep. Could have um, played touch footy for Australia. Chronic underachiever, Elise Perry. Horrible ambassador. Only got 99 in test Yeah, match. exactly. <laughs> exactly. She, she get a double uh, a couple of years ago. But um, yeah, Pez has been a big one for us to to build our reputation for sure. And um, she has a whole team behind her of of amazing people that that help her and actually help us a lot with building the staple range. So, Exploding market too. How many girls are going to take up cricket year on year on year? It's only going to grow, isn't That's it? That's right. And, and we call it a unisex range because there are guys, like, like Had says, that will use... Uh, size down equipment that mm. will actually fit them better. Yep. So it's not just for girls, but obviously we sized it around Elise. So mm. that's exactly what Pez uses and and same with the gloves. She'll use adult gloves rather than calling them youth. And, and do you get many grade cricketers come in and sit down with you and say, this is the shape I want and, and you make it right in front of them? That's right. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much what we do. Yeah. Um, that's our difference to, you know, not to take anything away from these amazing companies like Cook and Gray's that do amazing things, but the service that you might have got going to Kookaburra and getting a bat made, that doesn't exist for regular yep. people. So mm. being able to have people in, they get to watch their whole bat be made and we can actually work with them to get it perfect. I feel like that's where we sit in the market. Yeah, um, I think it's needed because there used to be so many bat makers around and I, I don't know if you had like any other bat makers that you went to for repairs or anything had, but... No, it was rock solid. Oof. Didn't break Kookaburra bats. Like sleeping around, isn't it? Mm. Just can't do that. Well, you can go somewhere to get your bat fixed. That's different. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's... Um, what about your cricket equipment? No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> There's the odd double entendre when it comes to cricket Sorry. gear. Sorry, couldn't help it. Uh, couldn't help there it. go our kid listeners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kids ask your parents what that means. Um, Josh, stick around. We're going to take a quick break here on Willow Talk. And it is that time of year, as I mentioned at the top, where you're thinking about if you need a new bat, now's the time to get it because cricket season is around the corner. We're going to talk about that after the break on Willow Talk. Welcome back to Willow Talk. So, you're about to go shopping with your kids or you're about to go shopping for yourself to get a new bat. Josh, what's the best advice from JP Gavin? You're here in the studio today with some of your fine work that you, you've handcrafted. What's the best bit of advice when you go shopping for a bat off the shelf? Most important things, wait for kids. They need to be light. You can work out when you're, when you're a fully grown adult, you can sort of work out how to get as much wood in there as possible, but get it light. Usually even a round handle helps. As you're learning how to play, you want to sort of work out your best shots and, and sort of what's going to work for you. So as you develop further, you'll understand maybe I need an oval handle or something like that. But juniors, light bats. Mm. Oil or no oil? Uh, yes. Yes to oil, yes to knocking in. It helps prolong the life of the bat for sure. Oil basically, the misconception with oil is that it soaks into the bat and sort of... Uh, just sits there and keeps the bat not breaking. But what actually happens with oil is it sits on the outside of the wood 
and doesn't allow any of the moisture that's already in there to come out. So yes, definitely oil, definitely knock in. Do you oil it straight away or put the, uh, the cover on it, knock it in a little bit, play it, then oil it and then put it, recover it? Best to oil, knock in and then put your sleeve on it. You can oil around the sleeve because the sleeve does the same thing as the oil. It maintains the moisture inside the wood. Um, stickers and facing does the same thing. It sort of just keeps all that moisture in there. So just ex- any exposed wood on the uh, on the back, on the sides, oil that maybe twice a year. So this one, this, this is absolute beauty, this one. This has got the, the sticker on the front yeah. already. So did you make it like that? So basically you can go, you don't need to knock that one in, this, maybe up the top of it. This one has been knocked in. Yep. Um, oh, you knock it in, then put the sticker on. That's right, yeah. So you put the facing on, there's two different types. There's a clear facing that sort of, you can see the grains through the face. And then there's the, the very light fibre faces. And for the dads out there, and you say you've got a machine. So I've got two boys. They love their cricket bats. How do I not have to knock the bat in? You said you've got a machine. What happens there? Yeah, basically the machine goes through and bangs away at the bat for half an hour. But at some stage, you're probably going to have to knock in a bat if if you're buying them once a year or every two years. So for the parents out there, you put it on the machine you go and just hit with old balls or can you take it after that machine straight into the game? Usually old balls help. Yep. Before you start using new balls, if you can knock it in first, then use some old balls in the nets. Uh, little throwdown stuff like that really helps and then then you go on to new balls. Yeah, don't ask for those from the umpires from the fifth test, otherwise you'll get the new balls when you want the old ones. But anyway, um, we haven't let it go, have we? I <laughs> I was just about to go and Sam's going, don't go again, don't go again. That thing went around corners. <laughs> yeah. 2019 ball apparently. I was, I was anyway. just thinking like how you took it. Did you used to keep your old bats as well? Yep. Kept them all? Well, my boys at the moment, mm. my youngest boy is using a bat from Lean Livingston. It, it broke mm. off during the World Cup and I got it shaved down to shape. And Zachary's using the bat I used from the 2015 World Cup. He got it shaped into his size. How good. How good. So how many, like, have you got a whole room downstairs? Your house is big enough. Have you got a whole room downstairs with all your bats and everything? Do you get, I, I get bullied. <laughs> I'll be straight to HR after this. Um, I've got a, a couple. I, I wasn't much of a memorabilia person. All, yeah. all I really wanted. Didn't keep more. Nah. wanted my baggy green Yep. and my blue. I've got a couple where I scored my first hundreds yep. uh, and things like that for state and Australia, but I haven't got them up anyway. I remember a mate of mine from school, Chris Classic, who might listen to this as well. His brother Craig played for New South yeah, Wales. We can keep up. Yeah, and the whole family, the four boys, they all played cricket. So you imagine how many, Trev and Tony, classic, the parents, how many times they had to go to a bloody sports store to buy their sons a bat, but they kept them all. And I remember down in their downstairs area, I've never seen anything like it. It was fairly like Kingsgrove Sports. There was just bats everywhere. There would have been, I don't know, Chris, if he's listening to this, probably correct me, but 200 bats just in there. It was like a, a cellar. For bats, it's not, not a wine cellar, but it's all the old ones. With yours, have you got like a, a huge, like we could walk in off the street and go, oh, no, I actually like that one. You don't have to make one for me or do you do everything custom? Yeah, we have pre-made bats. So yeah. at the moment, I've maybe got about 40 that are finished and ready that someone can walk off the and 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 pick up. You don't uh, do retail? We do not- a little bit of retail. I try to do as much direct as possible. It just keeps our pricing down. Cut the middleman out. Yeah, um, well done. Keeps the pricing down. I think that's <laughs> that's the key. That is the Re- key. Retail is really difficult. Retail is one about fifty percent margin. So yep. that definitely increases uh, increases the the end cost to the person buying. Once you've walked out of your 
establishment or any old store with a with a new bat? What's the some of the tips? And we you explained the knocking in process, but some of the other tips just to kind of keep it in in good shape for when you you really need it. The main ones are try to keep it away from water, so mm. the the pitches can get wet if you're training on syntho or something like that, and you tap the bat, it can swell up with water through the toe, so it gets in and then up. Yep, correct. Does it go up when? Yeah, it actually it actually goes. Um, in through the toe and then sort of like swells in a sort of circular sort of thing. So try to keep it away from water as much as possible. Some people have old bats they use when it's rainy and and stuff like that. Uh, And the other one is a big amount of damage comes through Yorkers and has, we spoke about this a little bit earlier, especially in England. Jukes will ruin your bat. (laughs) Especially with Yorkers. (laughs) It it blow toes off. Well, you learned the hard way. I remember the first tour in 2005, you had a couple of really good bats to go and bat to the – Duke's ball, first net session, I was ringing Kookaburra UK saying, <laughs> I've got no toe left in my bats. And, and what had to happen over there, you had to get your bats a lot harder yeah. because of the ball and, and how soft our bats were when they come from India for Australian conditions for the Kookaburra ball. They didn't work over there. You had to get your bats made harder for the UK Duke's ball. Did you ever, ever have a teammate ruin either they've taken it in for a knock and they've ruined it or a bowler that you faced in the net, a teammate has ruined it and you've had the shits with them for... For a couple of hours what, what I've had done in the past, I said, yeah, yeah, go grab my bat. But you, you'd have two ready to go. You'd have one that's two hits away from breaking yeah. and that would be your game bat. Yeah. And you have another one that's nearly ready for the game. So they're the bottom of your kit. And you have the three or four others one. You have a net one yeah. and you'd have two more that you're getting ready to get to that game stage. And I remember, yeah, yeah, I think it was – Peter Siddle or Ryan Harris. Oh, Siddle, I think it was. So, yeah, go, yep, it's in the bottom of bat. It's the one with the white grip. And I, I was doing the catching. I could hear him hit it and I said, that's my good one. What? You can hear the sound. You can, can't you? You notice the Absolutely. sound of your good bat. And I turned, I said, Sid, you've got the wrong one. He goes, no, nah, I've got the old one. The middle's gone out of it. <laughs> <laughs> middle went out of him <laughs> after that. Mate, I was a broken, broken man. <laughs> Do, do you think, um, do you guys as, as pros, did, when T20 came in, did you have to look at which bats you sort of used in those games? And- yeah, not your test one. Yeah. Because <laughs> you'd, you'd lose your shape trying to hit the ball as hard as you can and you hit the bottom and, and you broke a lot of bats early in, in T20. But yeah. that, that's where the, the bigger bats came, actually. That's when they started to, to get bigger. Like David Warner ha- had some unbelievably Big bats. That, that were just Same. like clubs. And he didn't need them because he hit the ball that hard anyway. Yeah, but his, his yeah, stocky was strong. Yeah. Like he, he muscled a lot of I the, remember his the first T20 at the MCG. Yeah. I think his wagon wheel was about a 10-metre yeah. 10, 10 yeah. freaking diameter out over mid-wicket. I've got to ask another one on bats, Hads. The biggest bat nuffer you ever played with? Every Australian cricketer. I, I tell you, yeah. we're, we're cricketers are weird in general. So we stand out there for five days, you might not get a result. But if you walk into a change room... Everyone will walk around and say you got five bats each, so they all pick up, oh, that's a good one, tap mm. the ball, that's a good. Yeah, had Ricky Ponning was up there, but the biggest bat nuffy yeah. was Mike Huss. I knew you were going to say that. But th- this is where he got done on a technicality. So he'd bring his scales and he needed a 2.9 and he'd take a sticker off, put one back on, and they all had to be the same. Yeah. So as soon as everyone left the change no, room. don't. Everyone would sneak into Huss's bag, <laughs> oh, get your uh, scales and do your own bats. Oh, do your own. Yeah. I thought you were going to do something to his bats and no, play no, with his you, head. No, you couldn't do that. So <laughs> his 
thing was, nah, you guys are all the same. But in the end, we said, mate, get rid of your scales. <laughs> because you'd go on and you'd have the best bat. You'd think, this is great. It's 2.9 and a half. And then you put it on, it's 2.11 and a half. You go, oh, I can't play the short ball if I use this. <laughs> so in the end, we wouldn't let Huss bring his scales into the uh, Do the you room. find, though, Hads, that, you know, the, the weight almost doesn't matter sometimes when the balance is good? Yeah. It's in the end when you you, you weren't playing mind games with your own head. You actually, you'd pick it up and you go, yep, that's weighted beautifully. Some bats you'd get could be 211. I like mine a bit heavier, 210. And getting close to 211 if they picked up. But on the other side, you can get some you pick up and they're bottom heavy and they might be two and nine. But when you got more experience and understand, it, it was more the pickup. Yeah. Now the big question, Josh, how do people listening to this get in contact with you if they want to check out your range? Basically search uh, JP Gavin Cricket. Uh, mm. We have a, a social media platform through Instagram or, or Facebook. Um, Tickety Talk. Uh, what is it? We do have a Tickety Talk. talk. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> goes all right. <laughs> a website we, as well you can order straight yeah. from? Yeah, correct. So jpgavin.com.au. Yep. You might even find something uh, <laughs> something the size of that one. What do you reckon of that, Hads? You reckon that balance as well? Mate, that's the one. Oh, that's the one. <laughs> How's your wrist? needs. <laughs> He'd find in the middle every time. That looks Feel like that. me at the end of the World Cup after not doing any exercise. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Hey, so look at that. jpgavin.com.au is our website and you can order <laughs> custom bats directly from the website or you can set times to come into the workshop. <laughs> I, I tell you what I would do if, if I was a, a father of a cricket lover. The experience my boy got when he sat through the process, picked his own wood, sat there and, and spoke about, oh, this is what I like. He didn't know. But he was talking with the bat maker. It was the best Christmas or birthday present they could ever have to go yeah. in. And when they took it out, he owned that moment. So you do bat tours. It, so you're in the eastern suburbs of Sydney. Yeah, that's say? right. Yeah, near yeah. Bondi. So we well, we do must the, be good. It's not yeah. well. Yeah. My, my little garage in the back of <laughs> someone's parents' joint. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. And and we do the same thing, right? Like yeah. people come in and, and watch it being made and. A lot of parents bring their kids and we do junior bats or anything like that. Tell you what you need. You need a little microbrewery there. Mm. That's it. Oh, How's talking. that an afternoon? A Bucks party. Start there, mm. get a bat made for the Bucks, play a bit of street cricket <laughs> and then head to the pub. But it'd be interesting what you asked for at the start <laughs> to, to three hours later. Yeah, it might exactly. be totally different. Gone, anyway. Gone from a regular size to the big one. So jpgavin.com.au is yep. where to check it out. And, yeah, eastern suburbs of Sydney, if you're in the Sydney area, you need a new bat, you can actually watch it made with your own eyes. Mate, thanks so much for coming in, Josh, and explaining more. I'm a lot more knowledgeable. It's not going to make me a better cricketer, but it's a lot more knowledgeable about how these wonderful pieces of art are made, mate. Too easy. Thanks for having me. Hads, thank you, mate. We'll uh, see you next time for Willow Talk. Can't wait to Wednesday. What's Wednesday? Mate. Kid, got you. I'll be listening. Thanks, everyone. That was Willow Talk. <laughs> Take it easy.